Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're coming to you this week with episode 25. Artie, we've been doing this thing for half of a year. It doesn't feel like it. No, it doesn't feel like we've been doing this half of a year. It doesn't. So I know we're on episode 25, and technically episode 26 would be the halfway point of a year. Mm-hmm. But we, if our, our first listeners will remember that we did a podcast... And then we took a week off, week two. <laughs> yep. Um, that's and the reason being was the coronavirus hit, and we had to reass- we had to readjust. We had to reassess what yeah, we were doing. What we were doing, right? As a podcast, because we thought we were going to actually have sports to talk about, live sports to Man. talk about soon, and that just didn't happen. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should go back and record a podcast. I still have the notes from that podcast, like in my notebook. We should go back from episode one. one? From episode two. Okay. Oh, I've got episode one as well, but episode two, we should go back and just re-record what we were going to talk about that day, and then and then come in with just a random ass episode <laughs> on what the uh, what the American Athletic Conference basketball mm-hmm. um, tournament was going to look like because like everything shut down that week. Yeah, well, that that was right around tournament time. Yeah, that I keep forgetting that we didn't have March Madness like that. Yeah. Just didn't happen. Yeah, ECU did not win a NCAA basketball championship this year. <laughs> um, sorry guys for breaking news to so you. So close, so close. Yeah, we we this year would have been our year. Yeah, it, it was going to be our year. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, I've got those notes. We'll we'll have to do that one day, or maybe maybe I'll just tweet out a picture of what my notes were that day, um, what I was going to talk about. Um, but Artie, how, how have you been, man? I've been pretty good, man. Maintaining the same old, same old. Um, tired as all get out right now because I've been I worked my butt off yesterday. My mom put me to work. I don't want to hear it in her yard yesterday. I, I worked four hours pulling weeds, cutting trees. You know what this is. Doing yard work. You know what this is? That's the money sign, man. No, this is what is the, that? This is the world's smallest violin, man. <laughs> Just playing for you. Well, you you, you had to man. do more excruciating work yes. yesterday than I did. Yes. Oh, please explain. So, since Wednesday, I've been helping my mother and my my stepfather mm-hmm. set up for this damn yard sale. We've been yard. It's not hard. Artie, let's just clean out a garage. Artie. Let me tell you the amount of crap my mom and my stepdad got rid of this week. It's like an episode of Hoarders? Man. <laughs> Let, let's just say there was 25 bags of clothes. 25 yeah, bags of clothes. That's a lot. We had probably 15 tables worth of just crap <laughs> all over the yard. <laughs> and then we had... Uh, we had probably about 20 pieces of furniture, mm-hmm. weightlifting benches, things like that. Like we had, we had so much shit. <laughs> it was not even funny. I mean, <laughs> I worked my tail off for three days straight all day, unloading the garage, moving shit into the yard, setting it up, carrying furniture for three days, moving, basically moving everything out of my parents' house, everything that isn't. A necessity right now, we just moved it out. Well, see that that is hard, and I've had to do that before. But I was knee deep in the mud yesterday for four <laughs> so, hours, which is still I, I was I would take moving stuff out of a garage. But so yesterday pulling those prickly weeds that stick you, I got cuts all over my 
forearms. Oh, I'm just saying. So yesterday, I'd much rather just move some clothes. Yesterday, we get out there. So I don't know if Artie, have you ever had a yard sale? Yes. Okay. So you know you got to be out there like six a.m. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've been up every morning for the past four mornings at six a.m. Outside. Yesterday, I went outside. Pouring down rain. Pouring down rain. Did it rain yesterday? Did it, it rain over here? Oh, it, man. In Lexington, down in Lexington, it rained. Mm. It rained cats and dogs, man. It was it was, it was was pretty bad. And uh, so, yeah. It, it, it was a rough weekend. But, hey, <laughs> we both had rough weekends. We're here. We're recording earlier than we usually do. Mm-hmm. We're recording at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. Um, hopefully, when this podcast comes out to you, uh, well, hopefully it'll probably be Monday morning by the time that we get everything edited together because we're going to have such a big episode this week. Um, we're we're going to try some different things this week, so we're going to be editing some things in. So um, look for this to come out Monday morning. But if you're listening to this, it's already out, so mm-hmm. I'm not telling you when to listen to it. I'm just telling you when we're going to put it out, <laughs> and it's already out. Um, so we have a awesome guest. Um, this is going to be the first time we have a head coach of any athletic um, sports team from ECU on the podcast. Okay, mm-hmm. um, We're going to have Coach Jason Hamilton from ECU Women's Soccer on the podcast. He's going to come in and talk about what, uh, what the American Athletic Conference, when, when they postpone their season, mm-hmm. what that means for them and, and how they're going to adjust and get ready for the 2021 spring ECU women's soccer season. Mm-hmm. Um, look, really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, going into it, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, has postponed soccer and volleyball um, until the spring of 2021. Artie, when you hear that, what does that make you feel, or what, what do you what are you thinking when you hear that? I mean, right off the bat, it was I was confused because football is a go, but everything else is not. Um, I guess that's to keep everyone safer. I guess they, they feel like they can they can get a grasp on football or if they're just focusing on one sport. Um, they can make it safer to just focus on those athletes while everybody else kind of just quarantines and would, you know, bring it back for the spring. Um, but it also speaks to what, what, what the moneymaker is. Can't get rid of the moneymaker if, if, if you don't have to. Nope. So <laughs> you keep the moneymaker and you tell everybody else, we'll, we'll, we'll try it again in the spring. And I, that's pretty much what what I got from it. Um, they didn't. I, I, I guess they didn't want to have to sit down and make a plan of how they can safely bubble soccer. Uh, what else? What else is in the fall? Volleyball, volleyball, football. All those student athletes at the same time trying to bubble them mm-hmm. and the coaches. So I, I, I think it was it was the right thing to do. But it also speaks to what what makes the dollars. Yeah, and they are still. I believe they're still going to have a cross country season. Okay. Right now, so as of right now, cross country is still a thing, but uh, soccer, which we only have a women's soccer team right now, mm-hmm. um, and probably for the ongoing future. Yeah, I don't, I don't see us don't, getting a men's soccer no, team anytime soon. Not anytime soon, especially with the deficit that we're facing. Right. Um, and and women's volleyball, we don't have a men's volleyball team either. Um, they're they're all taking taking time off, and then. Um, Women's lacrosse, I believe, is also a fall sport. So, may, no, maybe they're spring. I'm not sure. 
Um, but I, I know that we had talked about women's lacrosse in, in the here recently. Mm-hmm. We've talked about women's lacrosse and um, how they've been affected by the by the coronavirus. But yeah, I think I think this is going to be an interesting time. See, because we're going to play a, a press conference later. Mm-hmm. The press conference with John Gilbert and Coach Mike Houston. Yeah, talking about the talking about the postponing of the Marshall game and some of the other things going on in the world. But um, we're going to play that press conference later. And John Gilbert, I mean, he mentioned that this, with all the other things being moved to the spring, mm-hmm. in that press conference he mentioned that it's going to create some chaos and some um, some scheduling issues. Mm-hmm. With the with other sports, so right. it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird spring. I mean, all of the athletic um, facilities will be used pretty much all spring, so it, it, it's gonna be interesting to see how that all shakes out, and we'll, right. we'll be able to report on that come February, March. Um, but Artie, why don't we go ahead? On I know we're early in the episode. Why don't we go ahead and send it over to our our interview with Coach Hamilton. Let's do it. And then we'll uh, we'll bring him back. Come back, okay? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So this week's guest, we're, we're pleased to be joined by our Artie, our first head coach on the podcast. This is awesome. Yeah. This, this is awesome. Um, so our, our guest this week is ECU women's soccer coach, head coach, Jason Hamilton. Coach Hamilton, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. We're we're really excited to have you on. Um, like like I mentioned, you are our first head coach. Mm-hmm. It's it's really cool to say that. Hey, we're moving up in the world, and we, we, we're, <laughs> we we're getting, trying to. We're getting some cool. We're getting some cool guests on now. Um, so I, I wanted to first off and start by saying, okay, we just got announced an announcement. What last week or two weeks ago? Okay, women's soccer. And women's volleyball are going to be postponed until spring of 2021. Um, once you got that news, what was what was the initial feeling once that kind of happened? Uh, I'd say it's kind of a, you know it was a mix of, of emotions. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know one we our conference we want to be in line with the NCAA tournament. We're you know we're one of the top five conferences in in soccer out there, and so you know we have teams in the top you know 15, top 25, multiple teams every year. So. Um, you know, we want to be able to compete in that tournament in the spring. And so, you know, I think that's, um, you know, one thing that we that we looked forward to. Uh, I think, you know, one of the other things is just kind of a little bit of clarity. Uh, I think, you know, since last March, it's just been ever changing, different information every day. Uh, so, you know, at least there's a little bit of clarity. Hey, we're not playing this fall. It's gonna, we're going to push it to the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a little bit of, uh, you know, mixed emotions as far as, um, you know, some tough things because there are some some of our student athletes who will graduate in December that we had to try and, you know, figure out what can we do with them. Um, some that are graduating with their masters, some who have already been fifth years and, 
Um, you know, it's just, there's so many different moving pieces with the uh, moving to the spring uh, <laughs> and as well as the, you know, this year not counting against eligibility wise. So, you know, we have 10 seniors, um, you know, probably a good mixture of some that were here before and then some who um, that we brought in as transfers. And so it's, it was a really good class and we, we hate to, to see them have to go through that. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, a lot of different, a lot of different feelings and thoughts and, um, kind of, you know, consuming for a couple of days, they're trying to figure everything out. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and coach, what would you like to say about the program and the kind of culture that you've helped build around the women's saga program? Yeah. I mean, we're going, you know, this would have been our third season. So we're kind of really finally getting to that place where, um, you know, we're changing that culture and, and the mindset and we've got a group that's bought in you know pretty much anybody who's who's still in the program from before we arrived has, has been through a lot and they've they've committed and um they've kind of jumped on board to what we're doing and then everyone else are, are student athletes that we brought in so they kind of knew going from you know from day one what we expect what our you know what our expectations are what our goals are going to be um and and so we we've, we've actually spent a, you know a ton of time in these last six months working on the culture piece because um, we've had to do a lot of virtual meetings and haven't been in person, yeah. person as much so that's kind of helped us out a little bit got you and and specifically for for this season what were the goals and i, I know it's going to be a spring season now but what are the realistic goals for the program for this season yeah it'll be interesting i i, I think if you were you know if we were playing a normal schedule this fall i think our, our goal would have been um you know top two finish in the in the conference and mm-hmm. um and be in the NCAA tournament and we had you know, like I said, 10 seniors, probably about eight of them are returners. Some of them are healthy that didn't get to play last year. Um, and so, you know, we were looking for big things from the program this year. We probably, you know, got three or four freshmen that could come in and, and play right now and be ready to go. Um, so that would have been our goals if, if we were playing this fall. This spring, it'll be, um, you know, kind of just trying to figure out what our personnel is going to be. Um, so, you know, we will lose a couple here uh, at the end of this semester who are, who are going to graduate and, and move on. And, their, their career is going to be over. But then we're also adding, a, you know, a couple of freshmen um, that are coming in January who I, who I think will be very, very impactful players uh, in our program. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to get to play this spring and it not count against their eligibility. So uh, I think, you know, we're still going to have pretty high expectations for this group, um, you know, because we are going to have, you know, a handful of seniors that are be back this spring and, and they know that this is, this is the end for them. So they're going to, they're going to come out, you know, kind of firing on all cinders, cylinders ready to go. Yeah, and when when I'm thinking about the season coming up, and I'm, I know that we've had to postpone it um, the, from the American Athletic Conference standpoint, but are, is there an opportunity for some scrimmages to happen this year or um, in the fall? Or, or how, how does that non-conference schedule align now with, with the conference schedule? Yeah, so, again, those are all um, – this is such a, a fluid situation as that's the term that uh, John Gilbert uses quite a bit. And, uh, you know, it is constantly changing. Um, so, I think September 16th, the NCAA is going to come out with some uh, some more guidelines on things. And then I think our conference and our universities will re- revisit that on that date and, and see if we're going to be able to meet all those guidelines, um, if those guidelines make sense to, to keep our student-athletes healthy uh, and, and safe. And so – that would then open that opportunity for us to, to have some, some games this fall. Um, and I think they would just be considered, you know, like uh, friendlies or, or exhibitions. I don't think they would count towards, um, you know, our, our season in the spring. And then basically we're waiting on the NCAA to come out with the guidelines for what the spring is going to look like. Is that going to be, you know, 11 week season? Is it going to be a 14 week season? Is it going to be a seven week season? And then um, we'll kind of build our conference schedule and work back and, whatever, you know, additional time there is, we can, we can fit in non-conference games, uh, you know, 
ECU is in such a great area, especially for our sport. We've got, you know, a bunch of ACC schools down the road, um, you know, and then even in-state Wilmington and Campbell and Charlotte and Greensboro and, um, you know, all these other, other schools that we can get to within a couple hours, Richmond, um, you know, a handful of schools in Richmond, Old Dominion, like there's, there's so many good opportunities that there's going to be, you know, if they say we're going to be able to play four to six non-conference games, we should be able to fill those um, because we have schools close and because of the relationships that, you know, I have with some of those coaches. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind you coming down. We're, so we record in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. So okay. w- wouldn't mind you coming down and the, you bringing the girls down and playing here in Greensboro. And yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can get out there and, and do like a live tailgate type <laughs> podcast out there. That'd be great. So, um, Artie, you, you, you touched on the culture aspect of it mm. uh, from a team perspective, but I wanted to kind of um, get your perspective, Coach, from a – when you came in at, uh, as sort of an outsider at first, um, what was your initial thought of East Carolina University and ECU Athletics? Yeah, so, um, you know, I came – I got, I got hired in December of 2017. Um, you know, so my, my first two months to the last, you know, two years look a lot different. Um, you know, I was, I was hired by the, the previous administration and then, um, very quickly that, <laughs> that changed. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's, it's, I didn't, I wasn't around too much of what it used to be like, I think. And so, uh, you know, I really, for the most part, you know, went, I had about a six to eight month window there with, with no, really no administration. And then, um, John was hired uh, to be since then because that's the real gu- that's really the only guidance um, that that we've had. So I think uh, you know I've seen a lot of changes, which is good, and I think there's a little bit of uncertainty there for a while with without an AD in place. And um, you know I think now that that John got you know football sorted a little bit, and I think they're back on track to to be successful. That you know he's really got everything kind of lined up and and you know, where we want to be, you know, my wife's a, an alum of, of ECU. So I've heard a lot of things about ECU and ECU athletics, um, you know, before I arrived. And I think, you know, we're, we're finally back to, you know, to where we need to be and, um, you know, going in a, you know, upward trajectory as far as an athletic program. Mm-hmm. Now, coach kind of switching gears a little bit, what has the convo been like between you and your athletes, not just, uh, you know, staying safe during COVID, but also the social injustice that's kind of sweeping America right now. Yeah. So, you know, we've, um, we've been, we've, like I said, we've had a lot of time to have meetings um, and especially on zoom in the, in the summer. Um, and we're still doing that, you know, even though we're, we're on campus and in person. And so, uh, you know, we, we've, we have our, our, our head coaches for women's soccer in the American, we put together a group. It's two, uh, two head coaches and two representatives from each team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've put that together as kind of a, a task force to to come up with some ideas and as far as we can do as as you know soccer athletes and coaches within the American Athletic uh, Conference as far as our team individually um, you know we've done some stuff where we're involved as coaches we've we've allowed them to you know kind of do some stuff on their own uh, you know so they're doing some small group um, you know kind of sessions where they can you know, talk about things, uh, you know, have some, some more conversations where, you know, when you have 35 people on a zoom, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times there's people who, who aren't comfortable saying stuff or, or even, you know, just, you know, that's not their personality to jump in and talk when there's that many people. So right. they've broken into some smaller groups to have some conversations. Um, just, so I, I think, um, you know, for me, my message that I think it's really hard, um, you know, as a, as a student athlete, uh, to, to see the world, you know, 
with, with it, I guess, through that lens, because, mm -hmm. you know, we all pretty much grow up from probably the time we're eight, nine years old playing sports, especially our, our sport. That's a, you know, most popular sport in the world with people from all different races, religions, backgrounds. Um, and so, you know, I kind of shared my story with them that, you know, I went to university of Detroit, I, you know, I was, you know, in a city that's predominantly, you know, black and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just how I grew up and that's what I knew. And so I, I didn't, I, I've never seen that. Um, and, you know, I kind of talked to them about, you know, shared my stories of, especially, you know, you're an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, you're kind of lived in your bubble, regardless of what that bubble right. was. Maybe it is, you know, where you haven't had any experience with, with anyone else. You didn't go to school with anybody who was different. Um, or in, you know, from my perspective where I went to a high school where, um, you know, it was very, very, um, you know, mixed religions, races, um, you know, lots of Middle Easterns, uh, you know, all different, you know, different kinds of people. And so I went from that to University of Detroit, like, you know, and so for me, my bubble was I was inside the bubble and, and didn't really recognize it because those were people that I, I rubbed shoulders with every day and had experience with. It wasn't until I had some experiences with someone who lived in my house, you know, who was black and, and when, had to go through a situation with, with police. Um, you know, a, an employee of mine at a job that I had who, you know, was, was kind of having being harassed because of the, you know, kind of small, um, you know, town that we lived in. And so I, I shared some of my stories about, hey, like, you, you know, sometimes you have to realize you're in a bubble and you don't know you're in a bubble. And I think that kind of helps some of them, you know, go back and look at, you know, their family and their, their kind of community they grew up in. And, um, you know, I was really proud of some of them because they wanted to become more educated. And so, you know, they're sharing podcasts and they're sharing articles that they're finding um, as kind of like talking points. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, we've got the, the girls who are working with the, the rest of the, um, the rest of the conference to kind of come up with ideas. What can we do as, as programs to, to help kind of drive it? Uh, you know, I, I told them, you know, again, this is, they have, they have the ability to have such an impact and, and, you know, it not, it might not necessarily be an impact tomorrow, but they're mm -hmm. going to go out and they're going to get jobs and, and they're going to become successful. And are they, you know, going to change the trend of, of, of not, you know, not offering jobs to people from, you know, from different sexes, different races, different religions, all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, can they be the change? Because that's, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to draw the attention to it, which is what's being done right now. But the change is going to, has to come over time of people who are willing to, you know, give people opportunities and look at everybody, you know, equally when, when there is an opportunity. So we've, we've been pretty active about it. And, you know, there's, we have some very passionate uh, people in our group, uh, you know, Kim, Kim Sanford, she's, uh, you know, my heart was, we had lots of conversations throughout this. My heart went out to her because, you know, she, she is black and she has, you know, she has, she has brothers that are, you know, she, she's from Philadelphia in a city. Her dad is a, is a uh, police officer. So during all the, the riots and everything, I mean, she, her family is getting torn in so many different directions um, mm -hmm. that I was, you know, we, I really spent a lot of time talking to her. I talked to her parents, like just to kind of, you know, one, educate me, help me, help me. So I know what I can do to mm -hmm. help, to help everybody else. So um, it, it's really, you know, that's, that's, that's the things I enjoy as coaches. And I think a lot of coaches do when, when you see, you know, yeah, it, we're here for soccer and that's a big part of our, our lives. But you know, when they take so much pride and in, in all these other things that are going on around them, um, you know, and, and you see the passion in them, it, it really, you know, it makes you proud of who, who you have in your program. That's well, awesome. Well, that, 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 that's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's, that's great to hear that. I, I know that other coaches at ECU have been doing something similar, but, um, it's great to see that it's kind of a full concerted effort right. mm -hmm. on all fronts. Um, I know that ECU football, I know that they've talked about wearing like a patch or something on, on their jerseys. 
Is is that something that's in the cards for uh, soccer? Yeah. So we're, you know, this is why we created that group with the, um, you know, with the student athletes. And we have two coaches on that, that uh, panel just to kind of help kind of guide them and have some conversations, but we want it to be, we want it to be something that comes from them. Uh, the, you know, our soccer players, and we want it to be, you know, something that every team in the conference does. Um, and we want it to be original too. And I think that's what we really kind of push to them is, yeah, it, it's easy, right? We can all just say, we're going to kneel every game, right? Or yeah, we can do a patch because someone else can do it. But we, we kind of want to put it on them to, hey, come up with an idea, speak to your teammates, come up with something that we're going to be committed to. Because I think, you know, when you, put, when you empower them to come up with something, it's going to go, it goes that much further because they're all committed to it because they came up with it. Um, so I know they've tossed around ideas of, you know, a, a video, you know, most schools play like a kind of a hype video before every game uh, of coming up with a video of, you know, representatives from each university's soccer team to kind of just say something and, and making this video that shows, hey, we're united, you know, not only as a conference, not only as a sport, but just as a, as a group of people who, who believe in something. Um, so I know they're working on ideas and yeah, that could be something whether we do a, you know, we all commit to a, a warm-up shirt um, or put something on our uniforms. Uh, you know, there's, there's, they're throwing around a bunch of ideas right now. Uh, and I think, you know, we're kind of waiting, waiting for them to come up with something. I know they've, um, you know, they've put together some social media things to, to, to put on there. And they've had some really good conversations um, as far as what they want to do as a group, which is, it's great to see, uh, you know, it bring people together that you're usually, you know, someone that's your opponent and your, you know, your enemy and, and to bring them together to have those conversations and, and kind of be on the same page is something that's really cool to see. That is really cool to see. So um, I had just a couple more questions before, before we wrap up here. I wanted to thank you again for all your time. Um, one question I, I like, I like knowing kind of when we're talking to coaches that have been here for some time now, I want to know like, so how have you seen the program really evolve as far as, um, fan attendance and engagement. What, what have you seen at ECU soccer? Um, what, what's your experience been like watching yeah, I that think, happen? You know, I always kind of tell, you know, tell our student athletes, like it starts with them. Um, you know, yeah, maybe football, you know, the, the head coach gets the, uh, you know, I guess the, they're, they're in the, the, the light a little more and, and people are drawn, you know, to them and, you know, maybe even in, in basketball, you know, for, you know, and, and I guess baseball with us because Cliff's got such a great personality that kind mm. of draws people in. But, you know, some of our other sports, especially Olympic sports, like, let, let's be honest, no one's coming to the game to watch me uh, besides my <laughs> wife and maybe some of my friends. Um, but, but they're not, you know, people aren't, you know, waiting in line to get pictures with me and get my autograph. They're, they're, they're there to watch our, our team. And mm. so I, I kind of, you know, really put it on them. And that's, you know, we, we focus a lot in our culture on athletics, academics, and society. And the society part is your, your community and, and, you know, getting involved with your, with other students and getting involved with, you know, with, with, you know, the youth and the community, because those are the ones who are going to come and watch you and support you. Right. And I think that's, what's, what's been so successful is we have a, we have a great group of people. Um, you know, our GPA is over 3.5, you know, they go out and we, we do clinics, you know, free clinics for, for the youth out in the, in the community. Um, and, you know, and I get, I get a lot of parents who reach out and, and just, you know, thank us for that. And it's, it really kind of draws them in that, Hey, we went out and spent, you know, an hour, hour and a half with, you know, 50 to a hundred kids and, and put on a clinic and, and our, you know, our team as busy as they are, they put school aside, they put soccer aside and they just went out there and, and kind of had fun and, you know, you know, let their guard down and, and just, you know, we're almost acting like a child and, and just having a good time. And so, you know, that's really, you know, we put it on them, we put it on them to, you know, are you going to walk by students on campus and think, think you're better than them because you're a student athlete? 
are you going to walk by and, and thank them, you know, and, and be nice to them and, and be gracious to them because without them, we wouldn't be here. And so we kind of paint that picture to them is it's, you've got to do it. You've got to go out there. And that's something I've always kind of taken, taken pride in. And, and so, yeah, you've seen, you know, Hey, when you win, it helps. And that first year that I was here, we came in, we went from last place to fourth place and yeah, people started to notice and, and they show up. Um, and so it's a kind of a mixture of you, you have to be successful. People like to follow successful programs. Um, but people also want to follow programs with, with people who they're, you know, they look at it and, and they think, wow, that person really represents the, the university and the athletic department and, and, the, and the team very well. And so, you know, we, we ask them, you know, make sure you're a student athlete 24 hours a day, whether you're at the grocery store, on campus, wherever you're at, like people know. And so, you know, it, the way you act in, in society is going to, you know, either make a fan or, you know, it's going to lose five. So you've got to really, you know, make sure you're aware of that at all times. Yeah. And that, that, that's great to hear. So, um, Really, really happy to hear that. But I also wanted to say, um, first off, thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. But, but before we let you go, we got the hardest question of the podcast. By far the hardest question I'm going to ask you. All right. <laughs> Have you listened to any of the podcast yet? I haven't yet, no. Okay. So, so good. You don't, you're not prepared for this question. We're going to catch you <laughs> off guard. All right. All right. We ask every guest that we have on the podcast the same question, and it's a fan favorite, Okay. And depending on how you answer this, you might it might get you uh, brownie points with some of our some of our listeners. Oh, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear us? Yep. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I don't know. Our our mics just went out. Um, oh, okay. I can hear you perfectly clear. Okay, but that that's perfectly fine. We'll. So we'll just, finish it, up like we'll just finish it up like this. Uh, last question. So you, uh, I, I know soccer players are very well conditioned, but uh, sometimes you got you got to be able to gotta treat yourself a little bit. You got to treat yourself, right? So there's a, there's a, an establishment downtown or uptown Greenville. Uh, it's called Sup Dogs, right? I'm yep. guessing you've been you've been here for three years now. Yeah, yeah. So we want to know. What is your favorite order? What's your go-to order at yeah, Subdogs? I, I, I don't even have to look, look at a menu. I just tell them when I sit down. I do the uh, bacon cheese fry burger with fries and the cool down dog. Okay. okay. Yep. okay. Yep. All right. Like um, yeah, that, I like it. That, that's, a, that's a good choice. So. Yeah. I, on my first day in town, I went to, uh, I went, I went to UBE um, the, the day I met the team, and I was going to pick up some gear for the family. and. Mm -hmm. uh, they told me, they're like, if, have you had sub dogs yet? And I said, no, I've literally been in town for three hours. And they said, if you don't go to sub dogs, your team's not going to respect you at all. So <laughs> I walked right down the street, had sub dogs and, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a favorite ever since. Yeah. Well, nice. what we've, we've been working on pretty much getting a party of all of our former guests and going out to sub dogs. and going out to sub dogs. Hey, Next time we're in town, don't have to ask me twice. I'll be there. All right. <laughs> sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll have a huge group. That'll, that'll be a fun time at sub dogs. Yeah. Um, but coach, we wanted to thank you again for for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, wanted to also thank you for all the great things that you're doing. It sounds like um, your team is really being uh, being upfront and, and and proactive and proactive with the things that are going on in the world. And we we know that you're leading them in that direction. So we wanted to thank you for that. Absolutely. Putting on putting on a um, a, a good uh, I don't want to say putting on because that, that makes it sound fake but making making the university um as good as it is and as great as it is 
um, you're, you're part of that. You play a part of that every single day. So I want to thank you again for that. Um, but yeah, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll, we'll come out to Greensboro. If, if we're in Greenville during a game in the spring, we'll, we'll make sure to pop on over. But if you yep. come down to Greensboro, let us know. And we'll take, we'll, I'll show you a good time. We'll, we'll be there and we'll, we'll show you a good time. Yep. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. Thanks coach. All right. Go pirates. Go pirates. Once again, we want to thank Coach Jason Hamilton of ECU Women's Soccer for coming on, talking to us about uh, how ECU is going to go forward with the women's soccer team is going to go forward with playing in the spring, mm-hmm. playing out there, scheduled in the spring. So, uh, thank you again, Coach Hamilton. We're gonna we're gonna have to have you back on the podcast. That that, that was a fun conversation. So, um, Artie. We've got some ECU scheduling changes yep. going on. Big okay. scheduling, scheduling changes. So uh, it came out, I believe it was, what, Thursday? Mm-hmm. That Well, Thursday's kind of the day that all the news came out, right? Yeah. Um, Thursday you had the ECU versus Marshall game. That came, You had some news come out around noon, I believe, saying, hey, ECU versus Marshall, that game is going to be postponed yet once again. Mm-hmm. Um it was moved back from August 29th, so it was supposed to be this previous Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, and now it was then scheduled to September 12th, mm-hmm. which is in two weeks. And now it is scheduled for TBA. Yep. Um, we're, we're not really sure um, what day it's going to be scheduled. So the reason why it's all being postponed and everything's going on is it came out in the press conference, and you'll hear this when we play it here in, here in a couple minutes. The press conference says there's there was 30 players or staff or people in the athletic department that tested positive for COVID-19, okay? Or through contract, contact tracing, they, they were found that they needed to quarantine or be in isolation, right? Now these weren't false positives, were they? We're not sure. Not sure. Um, We've seen a lot of that lately. We have been seeing a lot of, we've seen a lot of false positives, a lot of false negatives. It, it, I, I'm still not sure about any of the testing. I still don't know. Like, I, I'm actually I'm going to try to go get an antibody test in the next couple of days. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've had it. I'm going to donate blood. You can give that. You can mm-hmm. give blood, and they'll tell you. Yes, you you have the antibody. So I'm going to go see, and I'll, I'll report back to you hopefully next week. Okay. If we do a podcast next week, that's that's. To be determined. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so EC versus Marshall changed. Uh, John Gilbert and Coach Houston were very adamant in the press conference about wanting to play this game. Yeah, I mean, this – this we said this before. This this is the one game that probably had to be played above all all others just because of the significance of the 50-year anniversary of what happened and just the, the significance of this game in general. Um, so it sucks because the day that they had planned was probably the best date for it. But uh, hopefully they can come together, the two schools can come together and, and figure out a date because I think this game this year is important to be played. Yeah, and I I was actually on, I was on the uh, Running with the Herd podcast, um, which is a – That's right, that's right. How'd that go? a podcast with, um, covering martial sports. I believe they're affiliated with Rivals.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on their podcast recently, and we were, we were talking about um, – we were talking about the importance of this game. From both fan perspectives, mm-hmm. and um, I, I remember them saying, "Like 
we don't care if we don't play a single other game. This is the game we want to play. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most ECU fans <laughs> feel the same way. Yeah. If we don't play any other game, this is the game this we want to play. This game should be played. Because yep. we know we know the the relationship built between these two universities. It, it's a rela- it's a relationship built that's stronger than most relationships even within the University of North Carolina school system. We all know how that works out. Um, so, yeah, I, I would love to have that game played, and I'm hoping that they'll be able to reschedule it. My my guess is they're probably going to reschedule it for sometime after a conference championship game or mm-hmm. look to see if they can schedule it the day, same day as the conference championship game. Um, depending, I mean, who knows? ECU might luck up and – Let's all be completely honest. ECU's probably not going to be playing in the conference championship game this year, yeah. right? Artie, are you putting money on ECU playing in the no, conference championship? No, no, I don't, I don't see that. You, come on, man. No, I don't, I don't see that. Come on. I'm a realist. I'm not a dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So, um, yeah, we, we all realize that, I mean, it's probably not in the cards for ECU this year. Mm-hmm. I could see ECU trying to schedule that game with Marshall. I don't think it's in the cards for Marshall this year. They've got a lot of – um, they've got a lot of issues with stability happening on on their team right now. With right. especially with losing their starting quarterback, well, that they he, thought they were going to have. He's decided to come back and stay. Yeah, he decided Marshall. to come back. Okay, okay. But I now didn't see that. But now it's like they're one of their starting like defensive linemen <laughs> is decided to transfer. If it, if it isn't one thing, it's another. So I mean, they're they're having some issues right now. Um, but. Yeah, that, that's why ECU wasn't going to have enough time, basically, to get prepared for this game. But I say, Artie, I want, I really want everybody to hear this press conference that we had with John Gilbert and mm-hmm. with Coach Houston. Um, th- there's some talk of how canceling classes and moving all classes to online mm-hmm. um, really affects or helps ECU, yeah. um, how, how that can help them kind of create a bubble, but mm-hmm. they still have to – um, they still have to be responsible in, in what they're doing. And that actually comes from a question that we asked on from the Boneyard podcast, um, the last question we asked or the last question asked in the, in the press conference. So stay tuned and listen to that. Uh, thanks for coming on the call today on short notice. Information continues to flow rapidly during this pandemic, and we've tried our best to be open and transparent with you. It's hard to believe how many times I've walked into the office in the morning thinking I was going to work on one thing and then spend the next eight hours on something completely different. The ongoing pandemic has taken a toll on all of us. Uh, These are difficult, frustrating, and unprecedented times. Individuals, families, and businesses are all being affected. Uh, You know, today's news is uh, disappointing to me on on so many levels, obviously with our student athletes, our coaches, and our staff, but but also our community. Uh, And I know and understand what this does uh, to affect our community. So obviously I'm disappointed uh, for that. I am so impressed with the resiliency of our 380 student athletes, coaches, and staff. These are uncharted waters for all of us, and we are sticking together. It's also important to understand the toll that these decisions take on the mental health of everyone. 
it's not easy to stop and start practices or be informed that you're positive or that you must quarantine for 14 days. Uh, it, it really is difficult for us all to process, and I can't say enough about our student athletes, our coaches, and our staff. Currently, we have 30 individuals within our football program that are either isolated or quarantined. Uh, when an individual tests positive, there's contact tracing analysis that takes place to see where the infections are coming from. It's a process that requires constant communication. Uh, our medical staff has been outstanding. Uh, we made the decision to postpone the Marshall game simply because it was in the best interest of our student athletes. Uh, based on the information we received and in consultation with our medical staff, we felt like the move was necessary. We've been testing weekly uh, and evaluate our results and make decisions based on the data. Uh, as for Marshall, uh, Mike Hamrick and I have had productive conversations and we'll work to schedule the game later this year. Uh, dates are gonna have to work on both ends. I I'm really not uh, as focused on exactly when that will be. Uh, when we spoke by phone uh, multiple times today, we, we both indicated that uh, given the significance of the game with the 50-year anniversary of the plane crash game, that we were going to do everything we could to make that game a reality. Uh, you know, that could be at the end of the season. Uh, it, it could also be in the middle, depending on how the season uh, plays out. We've had uh, multiple talks uh, with Dr. Silvernail in the Pitt County Health Department. He's been extremely helpful. Uh, and continues to be a resource uh, for our department. We, we still are looking at, um, obviously, football games in the future, and I do feel like we will have fans in the stands, but I feel like it is gonna be limited capacity, and, and really, it's not going to be a normal process. It is going to be us working, or me working through uh, our chancellor, uh, then working through Dr. Silvernail and then state and local health officials to determine what that attendance uh, will look like. I do want our fan base to stay with us, uh, stay with this team, stay with this athletic department. Uh, we're we're going to give the options out for uh, refunds, donating tickets, etc., depending on uh, what the remainder of our season looks like. And it's really also I want to point out that, you know, we still have to operate uh, from a scholarship funding standpoint. You know, these student athletes are still going to class uh, and, and, you know, we, we're having to fund uh, right around $8 million for our student athletes to attend class for scholarships. That's all sports. And so we want, uh, you know, our Pirate Faithful to still stay with us in that regard. So that, that is a brief update. I'll be happy to open it up for questions at this time. John, would you guys entertain the possibility of playing on the 19th or do you see the, the 26th being the season opener no matter what? Yeah, um, good question, Stephen. I, I wanna be uh, deliberate with that. And my thought process all along, 
you know, I, I would hear from quite a people like when when this first pandemic happened and and we lost a couple of games. I was pretty set at staying at ten, but uh, because I had anticipated some things like this happening, so I wanted some flexibility. I think we need to pause for, you know, a couple days to see what's out there. N number one, there are not a lot of teams with availability. Uh, and two, the way this works is uh, from a testing protocol standpoint, I want to be mindful of making sure that we can play the Central Florida game. I don't want to pick up uh, a team play that game and then potentially have an issue where you couldn't play the following week. And so Coach Houston and I have been in, you know, constant contact uh, regarding scheduling. And I also know that there's the potential for flexibility throughout the year if other teams can't play, uh, you know, due to the pandemic. And so uh, I want to be very mindful and deliberate and not rush out uh, in any regard. I want to make sure we get healthy and are, and are ready to return to the field first. John, is there a number that you have to get to to get football back out? No, uh, not a number per se, but, uh, you know, with, with uh, 30 in uh, isolation uh, quarantine, I, I felt like uh, it was important for us uh, as people come back, uh, you, you know, that's all different. You know, there's different timing on that, depending on when the individual uh, either went into isolation or quarantine. And so not everybody's coming back on one day. Uh, and so I felt like uh, now was a, we needed to do this based on uh, the, the safety of our student athletes and then obviously having them uh, physically ready to play in a football game. Does this speak to, John, I know you and Coach Houston have talked about the, the difficulties of contact tracing and how complex it is with the 30 guys. I mean, does this kind of speak to the reality of hitting that contact tracing is something that's really hard to, to manage? Is that a main drive in, in this decision? Well, I, Ronnie, I don't think that it's hard to manage uh, but it is it is a difficult process in that uh, you know you're going back and talking to individuals and trying to remember who who they had a significant contact with, and, and I think our our student health and our athletic trainers and our medical staff are, are doing a good job in managing that. But it is difficult. I mean, it, it would be hard for me to remember who I've been in front of the last two days. Uh, and, and so it, it adds, uh, you know, it, it adds another element that, that we have to be mindful of. And, and as a reminder, you know, if I test positive today, I'm out for 10 days. But if, um, if I have a close contact, that individual's out for 14 days and is not able to test out. So the individual that was in close contact with me, they're out for 14 days and they can be negative the entire time. And so every school is dealing with this. Um, it clearly, positives are, are certainly important, uh, but contact tracing is important as well because depending on the individual and who they're in front of, 
um, it, it can wipe out a, a lot of people. John, with the American making the adjustment to their schedule day, was that sort of coincidental with this Marshall announcement, or was that as much as a result of it as anything in other games as far as dates being changed uh, for ECU with uh, UCF and Cincinnati? Yeah, purely coincidental. Uh, we have been talking about that for a while. I think when the uh, pandemic hit and schedules were all being adjusted uh, from an inventory standpoint, uh, we had talked about that for a couple weeks to get on more traditional times uh, w with the inventory number shrinking. A note on fans, what's um, just kind of now, what do you have a, a decent pulse on fans or kind of what they're thinking? They do want to go to games or don't want to go. Have you gotten any feedback on where they kind of stand in general at this point? Yeah, we, we, actually, it's been really positive about wanting to attend the games. Uh, we, we really have had uh, very little refunds. We, we've had some, uh, but we've not had uh, large numbers at this point. And, you know, I, I do want to make clear uh, we, we, had to, we had to do this uh, from a health and safety standpoint to, to move this back. But our anticipation is that we are going to play football. Um, and, uh, you know, the Central Florida game will be right now at this day and time, you know, the, the next game up. The, it will give our team uh, enough time to uh, get back on the field, training, condition. I'll let Coach Houston at the appropriate time talk about that. But, but not only, I think today is day number eight that we've not had a practice or conditioning. And so, you know, that, that's a factor as well, plus the, the time that all these individuals will be returning to play. What's the status among the other athletic programs? I know pushed back to spring with the exception of cross country. So I guess what is the update as far as the cross country season and are any of the athletic teams practicing right now or are they on pause as well? Well, we, we have our teams practicing uh, our fall sports. So right now, soccer and volleyball, they are all moving to their championship season in the spring. Uh, I anticipate a modified schedule there. Cross country, we've not made a determination on that because the NC2A has not made a determination. I anticipate that moving to the spring. That decision's not been final, uh, but we continue to practice and work out in those other sports. It, it certainly is going to complicate the spring from a logistical standpoint, operational standpoint, um, there, there will be, you know, I've talked for probably months about what the inconveniences are going to look like this year and that we're all going to have to deal with those. There are going to be a lot of uh, inconveniences and nuances in the spring that, that everyone's going to have to deal with if we, you know, proceed with every sport like that in the spring. John, a lot of conferences have opted to go uh, multiple times testing once game week comes. Is that something the Americans officially decided to do as well? Yes, uh, good question. And right, right now what we're doing is uh, once you started your season and starting official practice in the 20-hour 
work week uh, is one day a week uh, of everyone in the footprint. So it's coaches, student athletes, and staff. So that is managers, trainers, video personnel, you know, student managers, et cetera. Once we get into game week, it'll be twice a week uh, is what the American Athletic is talking about. So we continue to work through uh, what that is. Again, our medical staff's been really good in that regard. We are extremely fortunate here uh, at East Carolina in that uh, we've got uh, Vidant uh, and Brody here where we've been testing um, and getting the results back uh, in a very quick manner, uh, 24 hours or less. And, and I would say not every institution is like that. There are some really uh, you know, big schools that don't have the testing capacity that we have. They're shipping it elsewhere. Uh, so that is a huge benefit to us. John, with students now moving off campus, do you feel more confident that the season will be able to happen now that you can almost have a bubble-like situation where the players will most likely only be interacting with each other? Well, I, I don't, number one, I don't think they'll just be interacting with each other. Uh, not everyone is going to move out of the dorm. Now, I, I know that there'll be a lot of people moving out of the residence hall, but I still anticipate there to be a student athlete population in the residence hall. Um, you know, I, I think, Nolan, what, one of the things that you, you look at, obviously, with people leaving, um, you know, it, it, there's less people that our, our players will come in contact with, but we're not in a bubble. And the, I think you're going to see college football more resemble Major League Baseball uh, but because we're not in a bubble and, and we can limit and, uh, our contacts, we can, you know, social distance and do all those things, but, but we're still going to have this uh, to some degree. Speaking of students and, and attendance, are the students still involved in your attendance plans or is it mainly season ticket holders and that's kind of it? No, stu students are still involved in our attendance plan. And what, what we've done is we've tried to wait to until the last possible uh, minute to decide what our capacity will be based on, you know, state and local health protocols. And, and so absolutely our, um, our students are very much a part of our plan what, once we determine what that plan is. Are there any further questions for uh, for John? Okay, John, thank you very much. All right, thank you. All right, and I'm going to turn it over to uh, Coach Houston. And Coach, if you if you want to say something, then we'll turn to questions after that. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, obviously a, a tough decision. Uh, I was able to get um, all the players that are not in uh, in quarantine and isolation right now together in Minji's. Uh, this afternoon, them in person, um, a lot of disappointment. Uh, you know, they've been uh, very resilient throughout. Uh, you know, I, it's tough. You know, they've invested so much. They've been so excited about having a date. Uh, I think that they, uh, you know, there's where the next um, struggle is going to be is, you know, finding that next motivation from that next date. But 
at the end of the day, you know, John and I have been in constant conversation and, you know, our medical advisors have been talking to us constantly. It's just, you know, it was, it was going to end up not being a situation where our student athletes were safe. Uh, and just the numbers right now are not to where we can, um, you know, we can resume yet. So um, disappointed, but at the same time, still very motivated. Uh, and our group, you know, they, you know, they're, they're working hard. So, uh, you know, they're just ready, they're ready to get back out on the field. Okay, we'll open it up to questions for Coach Houston. <clears throat> Coach, is this kind of like spring practice one, two, and three? I mean, you, you get, you stop, you get going again, you stop. I mean, it, it, obviously it's frustrating, but, but, you know, what do you do? Well, it is. And, uh, you know, the thing that, uh, you know, was motivating them for this first part of, um, you know, the fall camp was getting ready to play. Uh, I do think the competition and being able to be out on the field playing again was something that uh, kept a lot of energy and excitement out there. Uh, this pause has set us back. There's no doubt. Um, you know, we've got to a degree kind of start from scratch uh, whenever we do start back because, you know, you're, you're just you're just then starting to get a little bit of conditioning. Uh, and then to have this pause, now you've lost that. So it's not like you can start back where you left off. Uh, you got to start back where the players are conditioning-wise uh, and build back up from there. So, um, you know, the thing that's motivating them is still, you know, having a season this fall, uh, representing East Carolina University, uh, playing in Daddy Ficklin Stadium and competing in the American Athletic Conference. I know it's not ultimately your decision, Coach, but obviously you have a, a saying it, I'm sure. What, when would you like to start the season? Would you like to play the 19th or hold off until that UCF game? I mean, what are your thoughts on, on an actual first game? Well, I mean, obviously we want to play, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, number one, we've got to make sure that our kids uh, are safe uh, and, that, uh, and that we get this situation we have right now with the positives, that we get it under control as much as possible. Uh, and try to get, uh, you know, the environment, you know, back to where we had it a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I think we can be ready to play on the 19th if we can get things under control pretty quickly. Uh, but, the, you know, that's, a lot of those things still remain to be seen. Coach, I'm going to worry about the, the mental health of the guys. Obviously, like you kind of said, getting geared up, getting geared down, that sort of right. stuff in quarantine when a lot of it's out of their control. Right, a lot. You know, it's hard – as a 48 year old grown man, uh, you know, you're talking about 18, 19, 20 and 21 year olds. So, um, you know, it's hard for them to understand a lot of things. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's why I was thought it was so important that I, I was able to you know, speak to them in person today. Uh, I stressed to our coaches this morning and just, you know, right now they need us on a variety of levels, uh, you know, outside of football. And so I think that, uh, you know, the coaching job right now, is not as much about X's and O's as just ensuring that our that our players are in a good spot mentally. What has your communication been like with those in isolation, and do they seem to be holding up well? You know, we've got we've got a large number right now. Each of them were on the Zoom uh, meeting with our team today. Uh, individually, you know, I message back and forth with them. They message with me throughout. Um, I've had, had one that just texted me just a second ago. So uh, we are in constant com contact with them daily from position coaches, support staff. Um, so we try to keep a, a steady flow going just to make sure that they're doing okay. 
Coach, I don't know if you can answer this. It might be uh, something that John needs to answer, but are the majority of the positives asymptomatic? Or are there any that are a little more sick, let's say, than others? I think there's a mixture. Uh, there's a lot that are asymptomatic. Um, right now, uh, we have very mild symptoms with the ones that do have symptoms. Does that add to the frustration, Coach, that you've got some that don't have any symptoms and some that have minor symptoms and you're shutting everything down? Yeah, and you got, you know, the ones in quarantine, a lot of them have no symptoms and have tested negative. But uh, it, it is frustrating. And it's, uh, but it's the reality of the situation that we're in. And as we said back during the summer, uh, situations like this, you know, this, is, this is what's going to cause games to be postponed or canceled throughout the year. Uh, you know, we're dealing with it right now. Um, you know, I think we're probably a couple of weeks ahead of most of the institutions in the country as far as we brought our students back early. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more of this coming in the next few weeks. Hey, Coach. Um, I want to just briefly kind of take this in a completely different direction. I know this was the big news today for you guys and very disappointing, but pardon me. Um, I was wondering if when you met with your students today, um, you know, we've been aware of some of the social justice issues that have been going on dominating the right. cycle this week. With all this going on with you and Marshall in the postponement, did you have a chance to talk to them about that and, and perhaps anything they'd like to do either the next few weeks or even as the season starts? Yes, we did discuss that today. And uh, this has been an ongoing discussion all summer. Um, it's something that we've had a uh, significant dialogue with our leadership council about. Uh, we have a couple of initiatives uh, that we are uh, working on right now in addition to um, the things that we did with voter registration and uh, the video that the team put out this summer. Uh, it's a topic that's very important to me. Uh, I am very sensitive to the issue. Obviously, you know, being, uh, you know, I was a prep athlete. I was a college athlete. I've been a prep and college coach for many, many years. So uh, I am accustomed to being in a, an environment that's very diverse. I have close friends. Uh, that uh, have skin tone that's different than mine, uh, and I have strong feelings about equality. So uh, this is something that's uh, very important to us as coaching staff and also something that's very important to our student-athletes. Coach, this is obviously a fluid situation with the pause you guys are in. Is the, the hope maybe to get back on the field by sometime next week, or is it just a day-by-day -day thing in that regard? You know, I think it's day by day, uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, we do hope to return uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I think that, uh, you know, just having the ability to uh, begin some uh, conditioning and weight training, socially distanced over the next couple of days is a good first step, uh, you know, with those that aren't in quarantine uh, to get them back active. Um, so that's, that's a good first step. So uh, hopefully at some point next week we can get back out on the field and start practicing again. But, you know, even when we do, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to take it back uh, from where we were when we got paused. From the coaching and kind of game plan side of it, I know coaches are so uh, kind of regimented and you focus on this team and then this team and then the next team. You know, I mean, you were basically getting into that with Marshall and now Marshall's wiped out at least temporarily and you might not know if, you know, like, how have y'all handled that from the coaching side, just the, the fluidity of, of planning for opponents at this point? It's very much the same as the players. You know, it's, you know we feel very locked into our Marshall game plan. Uh, feel very good about it. Uh, you know, we spent, you know, well over the past week 
uh, you know, diving deep into it. So uh, we feel like we're in a good place with that. Um, you know, whenever that game does get rescheduled, then, you know, we have a good, uh, a good starting point for, uh, you know, for those preparations. Uh, you know, we are already today uh, beginning preparation for UCF, uh, if that is our next game, uh, and began watching film of them uh, yeah, about midday today. Uh, we did a summer study, so we already have a rough game plan for them. But, um, you know, we, that's, that's what we got to do as coaches, is get, get ready for what's next. Are there any other questions for Coach Houston? Yeah, Coach, how, how are you uh, – what, what are you all telling to the players to um, make sure that they're, they're keeping to themselves and maybe trying to keep, keep a bubble for themselves? Um, what were you all doing or what were you all able to talk to them about? Well, I mean, the, you know, the protocols have been the same for quite some time now. It's, it's just extremely important that they wear a mask anytime that they are um, outside of the room. Uh, they've got to maintain social distancing, washing their hands regularly throughout the day, multiple times, uh, avoiding large gatherings, um, and just you know they've got they've got to be diligent of not putting themselves or their teammates at risk. And you know this situation, I talked to him about it today. You, you look just over a week ago, you know we had one active positive case in our program, and that was from an outside contact, and that had been going on for multiple weeks. Uh, and then today we are where we are. Um, it is just, it's a painful reminder of just how serious this is and just how diligent they have to be. And it's not a, it's not something that's negotiable. It's not something that they can, well, I'll do it if I, if I want to, it's not that it's, you have to do these things. If you want to protect your teammates, protect yourself. And if you want to play this fall. So yeah, that, that was a press conference that we joined on Thursday with athletic director John Gilbert mm -hmm. and co head coach Mike Houston um, from ECU Pirates football. Um, wanted wanted to reiterate. I mean, I think the information given in that press conference was um, important, but I also think that it gives us hope for a football season and that we're going to have this game played. Um, Artie. Um, there was some other scheduling news that mm -hmm. came out literally maybe 45 minutes after <laughs> this scheduling information came out. Um, we got the press release from the American Athletic Conference basically saying there's going to be some scheduling changes to when games are played this year. Mm -hmm. um, ECU and the University of Central Florida, UCF, were supposed to play on September 24th. Um, now that game is, has been moved to September 26th. So now that the Marshall game has been postponed, there's a, uh, there's a good chance that we're going to see the season opener be September 26th. I know there's been some talk about, okay, are we, are we going to try to schedule another game for September 19th? Um, who's available? Mm -hmm. We haven't really looked at that, but, um, it's going to be interesting to see, okay, could we play September 19th and have a game that way we're not going into UCF cold. Right. Um, but it's also going to give us time to prepare for UCF. One of those games that we could luck up and, and I, I have a feeling we could, we could make some noise in. Um, so that game is going to be our season opener. Um, and then we also have the ECU at Cincinnati game was supposed to be November 12th. 
Mm-hmm. Now it's November 14th. Not so much of an issue there, but still a change in right. game times. I mean, I'm honestly I'm glad that it's changed. That playing it playing it in Cincinnati at 7 p.m. on a Thursday night that's going to be rough. Yeah, we have a better chance of winning a game on a Saturday in November than we do on a Thursday on night. Thursday night, right? In November and in Cincinnati. To in be November. honest, I think the season opener. Um, I mean, that's that's huge because we went from playing Marshall, which, you know, we all want that game to be played. But I think we're going to know what kind of team we have week one. Playing UCF at home, we're going to know what kind of team we have week one. Yeah. And that's that's kind of, you know, if, if we show up and play well in that even if we don't win, if we just show up and play well in that game, I feel confident going forward, okay, this team's going to compete if not win games that a lot of people, you know, thought that they wouldn't win. So just just the season opener being changed uh, from Marshall to to UCF is 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 huge. Yeah, and I, I think, like you said, we'll see week one how we're how we're playing. Mm-hmm. And if you, do not be surprised if ECU plays the same way that they played the back half of last season. Well, I fully expect that. Then don't be surprised if ECU wises up and punches UCF in the mouth. With, with all the guys that are – I mean, you get these guys that are young, but they're coming in with a, a year under their belt. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if ECU comes into that game motivated, prepared, hungry, if UCF comes in kind of sluggish, sleepwalking, uh, yeah, <laughs> that could be an upset week one. Yeah. Um, but it should be noted that these changes were made to fill more TV inventory and increase the likelihood of primetime games. I mean – You've got the Big Ten, the Pac-12, not playing football games on Saturdays. Why not fill those spots that they would be filling and say, okay, yeah, we're going to get out there. We're going to get in front of more eyes, mm-hmm. get on more national television games. Um, so, that, that I mean, that's important. And, yes, while we all love the atmosphere of a Thursday night game, it's not going to be the same. They mentioned that there's not going to be full attendance in, right. at ECU. We're going to have some attendance, but there's not going to be full attendance. Um, so... That, I mean that I, th- I think that's not a non-factor really. Um, you're not you're not going to have that issue of okay. The the atmosphere isn't the same on a Thursday night as mm-hmm. it is a Saturday. Um, we're going to have this year the atmosphere is going to be the same no matter what day of the week you play on. Yeah. Um, we all love the Thursday night games. It gives us a reason to tailgate, but we're not going to have tailgating this year. Yeah. Um, at least not on campus or on school property on mm-hmm. EC property. Um, you can still probably tailgate on the grid somewhere or find a place around Harris Teeter and try to tailgate in a socially distanced fashion, but you're not going to be able to do it in the parking lot. And, at it's, and it's really just going to be ECU faithful and people that live in Greenville because students aren't there. Student students are, have, have been sent home. So if there is any attendance in, in, in Dowdy this season, it's probably just going to be people that actually live in the city of Greenville. Yeah, I mean, they said they did say that they're they're honoring ECU students. They're, they want them to have the first option mm-hmm. to get into the game and be, be at the games. But, I mean, they also have said that you're likely going to have to wear a mask the whole time. I don't know if I'm going to wear a mask at a, at a 12 o'clock football game in, in still middle of September. It's still pretty still toasty. Pretty, it's still pretty hot in Greenville. So... Um, so yeah, that, that that's what's been going on with ECU scheduling, and uh, <laughs> once we have more information, we will make sure that we pass it along to you. Mm. We'll make sure that we get everything out to you. Um, but Artie, we've we've come back around to a subject that we've been talking about 
so much lately, and um, it's one that I don't want to say we're tired of talking about it. We're tired of having to have this discussion mm-hmm. week in and week out because it something's not changing. Um, we we need to have some kind of change, um, and and it's it's time for that. We've talked about it recently, but I'll I'll let you kind of take the floor. Yeah, I mean, last week. Um Last Sunday, a guy by the name of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was uh, shot seven times in the back um, while trying to get into his vehicle where he had his three young children in the car. Um, don't really know all the details. I'm not going to sit up here and act like I'm a cop or I'm a detective and, and act like I know all the details. I know he had a warrant out for his arrest. Um, and I know there was uh, things that happened in that situation that could have been prevented. Um, but at the same time, any man that you know, no matter what the skin color, to get shot seven times in the back when he could have been tased or he could have been tackled or something else could have happened to de-escalate that situation. Um, that's 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 why we're having the conversation. That's why we continue to have this conversation um, because I know for just speaking for me and coming from where I, where I come from, um, I, you know, my parents had to have that conversation with me about the police. When you see the police, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Don't reach for nothing. Don't 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 make any sudden hesitation moves. Just pretty much be stonewall until you get out of the situation. Because I want you to come home safe. And I've had a lot of white friends say, I've never had that conversation with my parents. It was never a you know this is what you have to do when you're around the police. It's just oh man, I'm getting a ticket. Okay, let me hurry up and get my ticket so I can go about my business. And 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 it's that kind of conversation that you know still has to be had. I, and I, I don't want to diminish like what you said, but I mean, I, I've, I know that my situation is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, we're, we're, we're brothers, right? You and I are brothers and you know, you know, my dad, my dad's, my dad's a sheriff's deputy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, these situations, I see it from, I mean, I've got, you see it from both sides. I see it from both sides yeah. and it, it, that's what gets me. Um, I see it from both sides, and I've had that conversation with my dad. Mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough that my dad sat me down and had that conversation. And I'm not sitting here and telling you I've never met good cops. Yeah. Most of the cops I've met have been good cops. Yeah. I want to put that and up. My, put that my dad right said, I mean, he said it's gotten hard on him to having to put on that uniform some days. There's some days he's not really excited about doing it. He he, he knows what he, what he does is... Um, looked down on upon from um, a lot of people now in in the United States, and mm-hmm. it, it's uh, the few bad apples, and there's a few bad apples on both sides. Um, but I've had that conversation with my dad, telling me, "Hey, when you get pulled over, here's the way to make sure that you don't scare a cop." Mm-hmm. And th- knowing that my dad has told me that, I wish that that was that's not that's not how we should have to ha- talk to our kids no it's not <laughs> it's not it, it, we shouldn't have to have a conversation about oh well you know you might lose your life if you do this one if, thing wrong you in front of a police officer you're right so but already I'll, I'll let you i'll let you no i just we, we we've, we've had this conversation we've, we've said what needs to what needs to you know be done um I, i'm not going to get up here and get on the soapbox about it but it's just the conversation still has to has to continue. 
Um, we still have to be able to have this kind of dialect. We have to be able to use these kind of platforms. I know this is a sports, you know, sports podcast, but we have this platform to talk about it. These things are happening in our society every single day, so we must continue to talk about it. We must continue to go out and be neighborly and be friendly, not just, you know, believe, you know, you got political views that you have and you don't agree with somebody else's political views. That doesn't mean you can't sit down and have a conversation and be cordial and be friendly and be nice to each other and love each other. I think, you know, in this social media world that we have, it's, okay, this is what I believe and I'm right and that's what you believe and you're wrong and we can't coexist because you believe that and I believe this. And I, it's, that's just... It's such backward thinking to me. And so we have to continue just to, to keep this conversation. I love, I want to, I want to give a shout out to the NBA. Um, I love what they did, boycotting um, and protesting for three days to kind of let everyone know. I mean, we can, we can take this away. We, we're the ones actually making the money here. We're the ones playing. Um, and we feel some type of way about the situation. And just know at any point in time, sports can be canceled. You know, because in the NBA, it's a 85, 90% African-American league. Um, I saw baseball followed suit. The NHL followed suit. Soccer followed suit. Uh, so I was really happy and proud to see that. Um, but, you know, bottom line, this, this, this conversation is ever continuing. Uh, racism is never, ever going to fully go away. Um, but it's to, to prevent um, these things from, from, from happening in the future. Yeah, and I, I do want to actually – I saw that – the NFL is also, while they're not playing right now, they're not actively playing. I've seen a lot of coaches come out. Pete Carroll took – Yep. I mean, he canceled yep. practice, yep. I believe, Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's to, – to talk about what's going on in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the NFL has said that they're going to dedicate a lot of their time, week one, a lot of their TV time to talking about the – things that are going on with social injustice in mm-hmm. America and the racial divide. And they're also going to talk about um, – I, I saw that Roger Goodell finally came out and was like, yeah, I I agree with Colin Kaepernick. While I don't always agree with every – this is, I'm speaking now for right. me personally. Mm-hmm. While I don't always agree with everything Colin Kaepernick says, I, I do believe and I, I do think that – I mean – what he did was, I don't think it was as bad as we made it out to be. And no, I, I think it absolutely got blown out of yeah. proportion. And now that now that we've had these discussions, and I've talked about as a white male, as somebody that, I mean, to be honest with y'all, I mean, I'm somebody that's leaned more conservatively most of my life. Um, I'm somebody that is from rural America. And but see nowadays, see, but see that's the problem though. Southern white, oh, that's racist. Exactly, and that that's not the that's and, not the mindset we should have. And you know? we, but the thing is, is we've got to evolve. We as people and as Americans have to be able to evolve. And I'll admit, like the person I was ten years ago is different than the person I am now. Mm. And I'm much prouder. I'm much more proud. There we go. Much more proud. <laughs> We do the grammar. I, we do the grammar. I'm much more proud of the person that I am now because of the experiences that I've learned and the experiences that I've listened to and from um, people that are not like me mm-hmm. and sharing those experiences with those people. And that's the only way we grow. And that's, that's the only way we get better. So my challenge to all of our listeners, fight your 
if you have some hang up on something, fight that thought in your inner self, right? Go out, have those hard discussions. Right. We've talked about this before. I can't remember what episode it was. It was when we talked about George Floyd. Mm-hmm. We had these conversations. Go out, have this conversation like me and Artie, like we're doing right now. Okay. Have that discussion. Yeah, because just, just to piggyback off of what you're saying, if, if you're uncomfortable with this conversation, then you really got to take a bigger look at who you are as a person because these things are happening. We can't hide from it. We can't right. say, oh, well, you know, I don't I don't recognize it. No, you see it, and you have to have an opinion on it, and you have to be able to, to, to say your piece. So if this conversation makes you uncomfortable, you really got to take a step back and look at and look at who you are as a person. I, I wholeheartedly agree, and... Um I think I think we've got our point across. Um, Artie, you want to ra- start wrapping this thing up? Yeah, with a, we got to walk this on the a, plank on a, on a lighter note. <laughs> All right, so we started this this uh, segment a couple of weeks ago. Um, we've gotten a lot of good feedback in our DMs about it. People love the walk the plank segment. Can't wait to talk about this clown. Yeah, I, I know who you're. I, I wanted to take the same person you took. No, we can have the same one. We, the, we can the, have the, the same one. Yeah, I'm gonna let you go ahead and take it. And then I'm gonna. I have somebody else that. I mean, what's that man? I'm trying to find what is this guy's name? He. He's a. Uh, um, I know my man Eagles got it. He's like, I want to say it was Paul. Works for CBS Sports. Yep. So I'm looking. Okay, so I'll, I'll go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, I'll go, go ahead, ahead and do mine. So mine this week is going to be, it's kind of off the wall. Um, it is Novak Djokovic. Um, <laughs> this man, let's see, him and Vasek Pospisil. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a tennis, I'm not much of a tennis fan. Um, I do know that I like Federer and I do know that I like Nadal. Um, so I know when these two guys are speaking up about something that I should be probably listening to what those two guys are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Djokovic has uh, been in the news lately for some not-so-great things for himself. Um, but basically, he wants to start a players' association for golf, or for tennis, which doesn't really make sense because they already have the um, association of tennis professionals, right? That's all men and women together that are tennis pros – that are competing at the top level, mm-hmm. right? So now they want to start a professional tennis players association. Um, women will not be included. Governing bodies in the tennis world, as well as Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer, have spoken out against the move. They're basically saying, like, yeah, we want this thing. We want to bring this thing away from being a men and women's sport. We want to make sure that we're taking care of our own. Um, so... Djokovic, some of the other guys, Vasek, Popsipos, <coughs> Popsicle, um, <laughs> walk the damn plank, um, go, go Federer. I have the guy's name. God, this guy. His yeah, it's, name. It's, it's, it's good that we're ending the podcast. Is with this Jerry guy. Palm. Jerry Pirate Palm. Nation. I want to see banners. I want to see signs. Light this man up on Twitter. <laughs> Light him up. Jerry Palm works for CBS Sports, ladies and gentlemen, and he actually had the East Carolina Pirates going 0-10 in 2020 for football season. 
Now, usually this is a guy that only covers college basketball, and I'm probably, pretty sure he probably doesn't do a good job at that, but he should probably just stick to that. I don't understand how, even at our worst, which the last two to three years we've been almost dead last in defensive efficiency, we've still won three games at least the last three years. And so for him to come out and say that we're going to have an offer, that's just <laughs> – Jerry, do you have anything to say? I'm, 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 I'm frustrated. I'm heated. I, I just I – can't, I can't believe that he actually had the audacity. And it wasn't just us. He had one other team, Arkansas. Arkansas. Well, he had 14 points <laughs> over 10. He had, he had four us, teams. Arkansas. Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech. <laughs> But then, but then he said, us in Arkansas will not make a bowl game. So 74 out of 76 teams this year are going to be eligible for a bowl game. So he has two offers making, making, a, making a bowl game. Yes. Over. Where did this guy come from? CBS Sports. <laughs> and CBS Sports is a great institution. I, I like CBS Sports. I mean, that's I really where 24-7. That I really, really do. I, I interned for 24-7 for a little bit. I Hey, Cool. But, dude, you need to walk the damn plank. But you have to try. You have to be UConn to go winless. So, <laughs> Jerry Palm, walk the damn plank. Walk the plank. All right. Well, on that note, um, we got we to gotta head out. Uh, thank you for listening to the Boneyard Podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure to leave us a review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, at Boneyard Podcast, um, on all of those social media channels. Do that. Um, leave us a review, subscribe if you're not already, and uh, go damn pirates. Artie? Until next week, Pirate Nation. Well, maybe not next week. Maybe two weeks from oh, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we may not record. We'll let you know. We might drop a surprise episode. We might not. Right. But if it is go- Labor Day, so we might be off. I- I'm going down to the beach, and I'm going to drink uh, I'm gonna drink some fine chilled beverages, and then uh, we might get back at this thing in, in two weeks. But uh, until then, Pirate Nation. Deuce.